We got to nail that down one of these days of my boop boop boos and your review. Like, because we're on two different we are. tones. We are. All right. Hi, Bree. Hi, Anthony. How are you today? I'm good. We're good? I'm good. Do you want to show the audience your hat? Uh, my hat, Save the Dinos. My necklace, a rex skeleton yeah you may notice if you're watching on our video modem on youtube review podcast on youtube.com our decor is a little bit different than it has been in the past few episodes we've taken down the halloween stuff and we've put up the jurassic park stuff and we have a lot of Jurassic Park. yeah we we were putting this up and i was like trying to find room for it all at the edge of this table um and it was a little tough. So this is all Breeze stuff, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've got our Funko Pops here. We've got sexy Dr. Ian Malcolm. Uh, we've got the Dilophosaurus, the chase version of the Dilophosaurus. We've got Target exclusive Owen with Baby Blue. Um, when we get to uh, Jurassic World, eventually, we'll talk more towards that. And then we've got a blue there. We've got a blue here. We've got a little dino guy there. And then we've got Michael Crichton's classic Jurassic Park in and book form. Yes, I have read the book. I have not read the book. It's it's really good. And I said that like doing this review of Jurassic Park, I'm gonna I'm gonna read the book again. Sure. Did they, he and he wrote a sequel. Yes. Okay. Did you the read Lost the sequel? World. Yes, I did read the oh, sequel. Right, can you talk towards it when we get to the sequel? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, big fan. Big fan. Well, you know, I'm a science fiction like nerd. Like mm -hmm. I love science fiction books. Like, and I've, I love the way Crichton writes science fiction, where it's kind of like, this would happen if this, if we had play, we play God. And it kind of like warns against. Is Crichton as an author, is that like one of his major themes yeah. of a lot of his books, like playing God? Like, like all of them. Yeah. yeah it's I like, feel like I've heard that before. <laughs> yeah. Don't play God um, is essentially, and I have extensive notes for this review podcast because i have my movie notes going beat by beat when reviewing um and then i have my book notes and then i have some like fun facts about the the movie's production and all of that um so i um i i feel like we've done so much because we're uh we're recording these podcasts out of order um then when we're uploading them to unveil the curtain so to speak yeah um, so we are doing this after we've recorded Halloween 6, um, and we're uploading it after we've done Halloween 3, um, which is why maybe some audio sounds a little bit different, but we've been on this Halloween kick for so long, it's nice to take a breath of fresh air, uh, for a second. Watch something different. We went from, different. like, 80... Five-ish minute movies to like an hour. Yeah, and I was 10 looking minutes. at the runtime. <laughs> I was looking at the runtime to prepare like our schedule for uh, cooking dinner or getting dinner, watching the movie, and then recording the pod. Where I looked at Jurassic Park and it was wow, two hours and seven minute runtime. And then I looked at all of the other Halloween movies at like 85, 87, 90 minute runtimes. So I was like, we have been lucky recently <laughs> with the amount but of time. But I have to say, is. like this movie is so much easier to sit down for the two hours than a really bad movie for 85 I, I minutes. Was, I was going to bring that up as well, where I feel like bec since we're it's acknowledged at this point, we're reviewing these out of order mm -hmm. and uploading these out of order, that um, we, we've we watched a lot of 
not great movies. <laughs> like majority of the movies that we've reviewed here, aside from the first Halloween, we aren't necessarily bad. Like two Halloween two isn't a terrible movie. Halloween three is not a bad movie. Four is okay. Five bad. Six really bad. And, and we'll get into it. Yeah, <laughs> and I feel like um, I feel like we've just been reviewing not great movies so far so like i i mean i wrote notes but when, I told you, when, him, you, have, when you have a good movie it's yeah. hard to write notes because aside from beat by beat what's happening in the story because what am i gonna what am i gonna criticize what am i gonna and i don't even know? criticize like i have my book version my like movie version right next to each other there i have no criticism i think the book is good in its own right and then the movie adaptation is like almost beat by beat the same but there are nuanced differences um but your like skeleton of the story is very similar pretty similar from what you've explained to me in the past pretty similar um so uh we got a little plate in the middle of our table here yes it's a breeze treats she, she got really excited she had a lot of ideas for breeze and he told me to one. narrow it down for one well because we'll we, have a lot of movies in we've the jurassic got four series. jurassic park movie five jurassic park movies to get through so uh spread it out a little bit um so today we have two treats one being like a dessert and one being a beverage so right here we have our little mosquitoes in Amber and this is orange jello and um, yellow jello. So that your orange and your lemon jello in an ice cube mold. You pour that in, and then I have you can use a raisin or a cranberry. I use dark chocolate because orange and dark chocolate go really well together. Um, I've tried these, they're good. Um, Anthony, you want to try one on screen? Yeah, they're yeah, they're okay. they're Jello, so sure. Oh my gosh, it's like breaking apart. I lost the. Dude, there's a fork on the. Oh, there's a fork on the. I was grabbing it with my fingers. All right, let's get it. I lost the mosquito. This is. Uh, there you go. I'm, I'm just an idiot. Like this is a good. Nice. Yeah. So. Yeah. It got quiet there because. I was like savoring it. Dark chocolate and the orange really do go pretty well together. When you said that, I was a little like, eh, I don't know about that, but super easy to make. Um, our Jello taking a little bit longer to form up in the fridge. If I was to do this again, I mean, the recipe that I found called for putting it in the ice cube tray. I would get bigger ice cube mm -hmm. tray molds. And we were I, gonna go smaller initially. Yeah, because. Too. I mean, it, it was pretty hard to get these out. Um, yeah, which is why some of them look like they're pretty well-formed and some of them look like they're, they, they've are they been in the struggle bus a little bit. Yeah, and here we have Swamp Juice for our viewers at home. This is an alcoholic beverage. So this takes days to make. Okay, yeah, I can go through <laughs> the preliminaries on this one. So this is Skittles Vodka. Skittles vodka. Lime you take Skittle. you take a little bit of vodka, um, and you put some Skittles color by color inside the vodka. And this is like a day process to make. I got the recipe off Tipsy, Tipsy Bartender. Um, shout out Tipsy Bartender. Yeah. So this is just some of the green uh, Skittle vodka. You put maybe about half a shot in the bottom of the glass, and then we use Seven Up, and it's topped with a little bit of. Um, lemonade and lemon juice. 
There's lemon juice in there yes. too. I saw you put the lemonade in. So cheers. <laughs> We're gonna try it on camera. Cheers. All right, let's do this thing. It's good. I don't really taste the vodka all that much. There's no vodka burn to it. That's good. Um, this is a, a nice beverage to drink while watching the movie. Do you think there's a difference between 7-Up and Sprite? Yes. I do, too. I it's feel a, like I'm tasting 7-Up when I should be tasting Sprite. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. it's very good. It's a very good dessert and a very good beverage. There will be more fun little things coming up with our future ones i like to pull foods that they eat from the movies itself but they eat like this like branzino fish meal i could never oh, recreate yeah, i could never recreate when, it uh-huh yeah i know what you're talking about can we make have. sloppy steaks one day no <laughs> sloppy steaks from only if they're from trefani's okay me sloppy steaks come on okay so let me get down to the to the background of this movie so michael Crichton was writing this book like probably in the late 80s um he was working on er with steven spielberg at like at the time and steven spielberg was like hey what are you working on next Crichton explains like the book he's currently working on spielberg immediately goes and buys the film rights to this um book before the book is even done like it love it Gotta, gotta have it. it so he finishes the book and the book is published in 1990 and the movie is released in 1993 is it 93 i thought it was 97 for some reason 93 yeah i'm wrong you're right you know more. you're you're the you're the dinosaur <laughs> um, girl he bought the film rights like before the book was published it grossed 402 million domestically and globally it was one billion dollars I'll be it, very careful. Yeah, uh, Bree just put her note, slammed her notebook on the wire to her microphone. I'm so we just want to make I'm sure we're good. I'm just trying my my best. Yeah, um, it's good. Um, it was at one point the highest grossing movie of all time. It should still be. I argue that this is the best movie you, ever made. Do you know what the highest grossing movie of all time is? Is it Titanic? No. I thought it was. It was for a little bit, and then it got beat by one movie and then i got beat by another movie in recent years avatar avatar it avatar held it for a long time and now it's held by avengers endgame yeah yeah which avengers endgame had to re-release the movie to, to catch be, up yeah, yeah to be able to get there so let's talk about the beginning of this movie is really the biggest difference from the book and the movie version so in the book it opens with a previously unknown variety of lizard is attacking kids in costa rica a sample of a carcass of a lizard is sent to columbia university and a lab tech believes that it is a dinosaur and he calls alan grant and ellie sattler and he um sends them that sample carcass and, and grant grant is an archaeologist i wrote this down yeah. i had a breeze looks over me she's like what um, you writing and i said i'm taking note of their occupation so grant is an archaeologist mm -hmm. and ellie sadler is a paleobotanist which yes. you had to explain that what to a me. paleobotanist was uh, well, uh, so a paleobotanist <laughs> <laughs> uh, studies prehistoric um plants 
Cool. Yeah, because there is a scene in the movie where she's like, she looks at a big leaf and she's like, this shouldn't wow, be. Wow, this is like centuries. She's like, this old. doesn't belong here. This shouldn't be here. Um, so Grant like can't believe um that this is like they found this carcass that this is he f firmly believes it's a dinosaur and then he they get Ellie and him get flown to Isla Nubar so like it's it's now we're getting to the actual where the book and the movie are kind of the same where this the movie opens up with um death by <laughs> raptor <laughs> yeah we so we see the a big crate like a very high tech crate is being put into a fence like they're trying to transport something and there's a lot of Jurassic Park workers out there there's this dude with a shotgun and whatever's in the crate sorry I had to burp off of uh well the dude with the shotgun is um I believe that's their game hunter yes which his name is um goodness can't remember yeah i, remember. I have it written down you just say game hunter yeah, yeah um, because he's, he's the raptor handler and he he's game warden muldoon muldoon that's yeah. his name well that's his name in the the book i'm not sure probably let's just call him i usually actually they do a really good job in this movie where almost everyone's name is the same as it is in the book yeah actually i think almost everybody we encounter that's is cool. the exact same name as it should be. Yeah, that's how um, you should adapt books to movies, not change things. So in in the theatrical movie, we see the raptors kind of they don't escape the cage, but they you know they attack people once they are in the fencing area. Well, what happens is they go to pull up the divider to get that the one raptor into the cage and the raptor kind of pushes back. Yeah. And so there's a little gap between the the container, the transport container and the enclosure and unfortunately someone's too close to that gap and gets dragged inside. Right. So that's the opening scene and um I I wrote down we're establishing that Isla Nublar is off the coast of Puerto Rico where you told me something about Puerto Rico in the book. Too. No, it's Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Oh, why did I say Puerto Rico? I don't know. I guess I was, <laughs> just wasn't paying attention hard enough. Um, so, you know. It's established that both um, Isla Nubar and Isla Sorna are both islands so close is, to is Costa Rica. Isla, I, I, Isla Sorna is mentioned in the book. Yes. Not in the movie. I don't even know. I, I actually, I don't know if they mentioned the second island in the first book. I know we talked about this. I can't remember which I can't sequel, remember. The Lost World or Jurassic Park 3, where they go to the the second island. I think it's Jurassic Park 3. I know it's it's the one with the... Um, with William H. Macy. Yeah, where he plays the wealthy father who loses the son in there. It's been a while. It's yeah. been a while for I me. I think it's the one where they're paragliding. That's Jurassic Park 3. Yeah. I think. Crucify <laughs> me if I'm wrong. I don't care. Um, these are not... Halloween's my franchise. This is your franchise. It is. I, I do... I love this. I'm like... I, I know raptors are dangerous, um, but man, it's my, it's my favorite dinosaur. We talked about this, that if you had an opportunity as a paleontologist to go to the island, would you go knowing that there's danger? 
I would, and I've had this like real thought because we are, we're entering that like stage of technology where it's just like any day now. It'll stop <laughs> and I'm like, if I get the opportunity, if they ask me to go, I would go. And knowing that I might die. I would go. I think I would go. I'm like, if I knew what I was doing and they wanted my endorsement. Curiosity is, would get the better of me. Like this is a once in a lifetime experience. Yeah. If I die, I die, but at least I got to see a dinosaur. I got to like pet a triceratops, you know? Like I would, I would kill for this. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the, the next portion of the movie we're in the amber mines uh, yes. in the dominican republic and there's like a lawyer figure who is talking about the fact that they have deaths on their hands and the insurance company or the lawyers like before they push forward with whatever they're trying to do they need to get the approval of different scientists from different backgrounds so they say the lawyer says that he has the like the go-ahead to come to the island from Dr. Malcolm, and he says he wants Dr. Grant, too. So once we leave the um, once we leave the Amber Mines, we get to this dig site mm -hmm. where Grant is there, Dr. Alan Grant and Dr. Ellie Sadler. Um, they're there, and they're digging up bones, and they find the bones of a velociraptor. Fun fact, um, they actually do not have an accurate depiction of velociraptors. I'm going to butcher the name of like this dinosaur. <laughs> um, the velociraptor of the movie is based off a, like a dinosaur in the same family, the Deniosynchus. I don't know how to say it. I'm going to be honest. And I'm not going to know how to say it. I'm not going to so. know how. I, you could tell me how to say things a million times. Listen, we're not dinosaur experts here. But I am. A, like, I I know what the dinosaur. It's like almost the exact same thing. It has the same, like, curved long claw. Um, Velociraptors actually more, like, small and covered in feathers. And you'll see but in a Grant, later. Grant talks about that, too. So I wrote down that Grant has this discussion with people about the evolution of the velociraptor and how they they may have been a little bit more bird like mm -hmm. and like the the epimology is that what you call it the study of words right the epimology of i'm i'm butchering these words it means like what velociraptor means and it means like bird of prey i think right? it's something like that and see how much i pay so it's based off of so it's not i, said, I, I wrote ask brie ask brie <laughs> about birds and dinosaurs yeah they're like the closest living relative is to, he accurate in that description did the movie get that like pretty accurate the in closest acknowledging? like living like relative to dinosaurs is believed to be birds yeah um cool. because of i asked you this earlier did dinosaurs have feathers some did we don't know we don't know if they all did because the unfortunate part of being like really into dinosaurs and like I wanted to be a paleontologist for like the longest time. I'm um, still, if I was to ever go back to school just for the heck of it, I would do it. I I think I could do it. <laughs> like, sure, why not? Um, but the 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 hardest part about anything, it's like when you study like dinosaurs and when you're studying things that have gone extinct, there is no way to know for sure what color they are. What, what they eat. What they sound like. What they sound like. I brought this like. up to Brie when we watched the movie. I was like, we don't even know what dinosaurs sound like. How they so, hunt, how they communicate, we don't know. Whatever noises that we think dinosaurs make is just like us making those noises. We don't know what they sounded like. We don't know what kind of noises they make. 
Bree, give me your best impression of a velociraptor. I cannot. I will embarrass myself on this here pod. <laughs> yeah. Um, a dinosaur could... I, I refuse to accept the notion that dinosaurs roared, and I accept the reality that they sounded like this. Ooh. Oh. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, so... So then we have, oh, there's a kid at the dig site. There's a kid at the dig site, and I'm like, why is there a kid at the dig site? But of course, like, if you're a family and, like, you have to be at the dig site, and you're at these dig sites for months. Like, these are, like, I think that was one of the things, like, when I was younger and I was choosing what career to go into, I was like, that would be hard for me to be away for months and months, sometimes years at like How a year at a time. How smelly do you think people are at these you're, dig sites? You're, you're smelly because you're you're living in campers. Like that is yeah. accurate. Um, and a lot of times the places you do dig are not um, cool places. And everyone's sweating all the time. You're sweating all the time. Yeah. But during this time, this movie was being made, um, and the like while it was in production, they had discovered a new species of velociraptor um in north america that was bigger than the velociraptors who who are believed to be like kind of like really small almost like a little bit bigger than chickens maybe like turkey size is actually more accurate not the big ones we see mm -hmm. but then we found they found and discovered a bigger species um so the paleontologists like involved in like because they consulted paleontologists along the way didn't always listen to them in what ways did they not listen like to the oh you know velociraptors are only this big actually oh well no because they need to be like this big for them to look scary on like sure the screen so it's really cool i mean i'm really into i mean obviously i i was a she dinosaur kid the girl loves dinosaurs um and then we get to where it starts to be similar um, with the book where they get onto the helicopter, they're dropping down onto the island. Well, before this, I want to get back to this kid that's um, at the dig site. So the kid's like, Velociraptors are just big turkeys. And he says something like that, and then Grant like goes up to him and basically explains every way that a velociraptor could kill you well they're, they kid. might be big turkeys but they're big turkeys with like huge talons yeah, he's like he's gonna take this like... claw and he's gonna he's not gonna bite you with all those teeth he's gonna scratch you here he's gonna cut open your belly here and i'm like and he's gonna eat is... you while you're alive yeah this is heavy to tell this kid <laughs> but i guess the kid was being a dick so uh, fair game um so we get them arriving to the island. Well, they... Hammond, Hammond is introduced at this point where he invades their camper. Well, in Hammond's defense, he is like his company, like InGen, bioengineering, like they're funding this dig. Yeah. So he breaks into their camper and, and, and Grant's like, who the hell are you? And he pops open their champagne and he's like, You're speak, saying that. speaking like a maniac almost. He's like talking like a crazy person and he explains to them exactly what he's doing. I'm opening up this park. I need opinions from people but he like doesn't you. doesn't tell them. He doesn't tell them what's in the park. He doesn't say what's he in the park. He just is like, you're going to want to see this. You're going to want to see it. Um, and they're like, why should we come with you? And he originally just wants Dr. Grant, but finds out like Ellie's like a uh, paleo. And he's like, the more the merrier. Yeah. The more uh, endorsements we can have, the merrier. 
and he doesn't tell them why they're going to the park and grant's like well why should we even go he's like we got this dig here we just found these bones and uh hammond tells them i will fund your next digs for three years like oh, money. my arm okay money everything is done for money let's be honest for money oh i'm gonna get into that because i have a little analysis on what i think spielberg or maybe Crichton was trying to say with the hammond character um, we'll yeah that. and we'll get into we talked about this while we're going so um we get them dropping in we have um in the book it's Don, his name is donald um gennaro is the lawyer then we have ian malcolm we have ellie and we have dr grant they're dropping in on this island in a helicopter ian malcolm played by our favorite person jeff goldblum they drop in and like they get in these like jeeps that have like a dinosaur logo on there immediately i would know what this park was gonna be about ellie's well, i get you a decal for your car would i will you, would you put I would. it on yes i would like a big decal on the side 100 percent. oh that'd be dope <laughs> we should do that <laughs> and then so they're driving um to like the the main complex and they stop and grant kind of like takes off his glasses like he has to like second like look at what's oh, going I, on i wrote about this and i said um first of all about hammond um the rich just do whatever they want to do and they're just like i'll give you all this money to do so we'll talk about that later um grant with aviators smirking at the helicopter cool what a cool guy he looked really cool i was just like that guy that guy's cool grant is cool certified yeah. cool in the sam thing. sam neil with aviators and a cowboy hat with a uh that blue button down and the scarf he's cool he's a cool guy 100 percent. yeah i'd rock that look if i if i could pull it off <laughs> i wish i could pull off ellie's look i probably could we should do that for halloween this year that'd be that would be a good costume good little couple's costume um so or maybe i can do malcolm i can do stupid sexy ian malcolm now what's uh who plays opposite of him in the second one i don't remember I, it's been a while since i uh, saw I the, don't know the actress's name but um he's a girlfriend in the second one no we'll talk uh <laughs> and we'll a talk. child he has a child yeah oh it shows you how long it's been since i watched that movie <laughs> i know i've seen it before so, it's just been a while um they stop and they get to see the brachiosaurus well we're skipping a part an important part newman is on the island newman, oh yeah newman from seinfeld is on the island dennis and, nedry and he has been meeting with another scientist or yes company this person. is Biosyn Systems Corp, a rival in, um, company to InGen, and they enlisted him to steal 15 viable dinosaur embryos. Yeah, and they give him a bunch of money to do so, and, and Dennis says that he can basically get past the security system. Because He's in the book, he created it. Well, yeah, it's him and Sam Jackson. Well, in the, in the book, it's like, like really, it's, it's just his, him. Well, no, it's both. I don't like he creates it almost entirely so even in the movie it kind of shows that he's creating this he's like in charge of it like he's yeah. the one who's and this is a 
like a complex computer system because well, they, they talk about it's a complex code because once he act actually does shut it down they say in order to get this thing back up like he encrypted it to a point where like we need to go through every single line of code in order to figure this out and there's two million lines of code like it's going to take a long time and i mean what's crazy about that whole like his coding is his whole thing he's motivated by money doesn't think him and it's paying him enough he's and they have that conversation um it's designed so that they're they don't need a ton of staff that most of everything is computer auto, like generated yeah and, and and they make that mention a little bit later on in the movie where it's like we can run this from like we can run this whole park just with two people sitting in a room with a computer but we'll so see how that comes back to bite He's them. important. Um, we He's going to purposefully sabotage the security system, put some of it offline um, to, in order to steal the 15 dinosaur embryos and get to the dock and get off the island. Um, but there are some hiccups along the way, like the impending tropical storm. Yes. Um, uh, Hammond mentions, so the lawyer says... How do we know that this place is safe? And Hammond talks, I wrote this down, that Hammond talks about the level of security that they have. He's like, if they can't, if they can't get past the fences, then they'll get, they can't get past the, the gates, the concrete walls. Uh, and then he's like, we have moats too. So there's a, lot, there's a lot of stuff. Of what we have at modern zoos, we have moats, walls, and fences. Yeah. And I, I like that Sam Jackson at, at one point says, we're having the issues of running a theme park and a zoo. And it's like, that's that's an interesting point to make because each of those things probably has their own different set of issues. And if you're experiencing both of those, maybe this park shouldn't be rushed to, to open. Which like they that. go along with, like, you so focused on that you can do it, you don't never think about it if you oh, should. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about that yeah. scene. I got a lot to say about that scene. Um, so... Um, they they see the brachiosaurus. Yeah, I think this is the coolest part of the movie. I, this is probably my favorite scene of the whole movie. And they I, had I mentioned to, to you when we watched it why I think if they had stuck to just herbivores on the island, I think any, everything would have been fine. Yeah. So <laughs> they're driving and they see the brachiosaurus. Um, I would have said a brontosaurus. Um, so there has been debate on if a brontosaurus even exists, or if it was just a brachiosaurus without its crest that was found yeah um there might be i i haven't kept up on the 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 science but i heard a couple of years ago that there might have been more proof that the brontosaurus was its own species but we're going to stick to these were actually brachiosaurus think, they have the crest if so if that brontosaurus the, and brachiosaurus are the same then you obviously haven't been reading the literature yeah essentially <laughs> um, i have a lot to say about like the actual dinosaurs when we get to each dinosaur so like Okay. And especially when we get to the sequel with, like... The things that the look like velociraptors? The, well, with the Spinosaurus, because oh, a yeah. lot of new stuff has been coming out about Spinosaurus, so I'm excited to talk about all the I new science. I haven't been keeping up with the literature, so... <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to talk about all the new science about the Spinosaurus, because we yeah. know more about Spinosaurus now. I think that that scene of them seeing the Brachiosaurus for the first time is really the best scene of the movie because it's the first time we get that that big score that beautiful john williams score nah, 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 nah. and i'd argue that even to this day 
the big moments, the big scenes that are just beautiful about this series involve the Brachiosaurus. Yeah, yeah. So they see the Brachiosaurus and they... We get this big score and it's them just like in amazement and... that they're seeing a dinosaur. And I looked over at Bri, I was like, you know why this scene works? I think is because you gotta put yourself in the shoes of 1993 when people are in the theater for the first time seeing something like this they had never seen special effects that look as good as giving us a live dinosaur right so the audience is mesmerized and thrilled and amazed that they're seeing this just as our characters are so it's really this one moment in the film where we and the characters are both experiencing the same things and that, that overwhelming feeling right right but, and i can kind of like if i was to go into the place of dr grant and dr adler that at this point, all science is just educated guesses. And he talks about they're their in packs. They're moving in packs. Like, they're, they're communicating. Yeah. And he's, like, overwhelmed with the fact that, like, this is stuff that we guessed. Mm -hmm. Our best guessed. And this is me seeing it, and it's actually true. Like, it's a very overwhelming it's, feeling. It's, it's got to be... If I'm if I'm putting myself in the shoes of these characters, it's got to be a vindicating feeling only where, or at least where, you have these educated guesses for so long, and the science is telling us this, and we've kind of come to these educated conclusions about the way these dinosaurs act, and to see it play out the way we theorized that it would play out is vindicating because then it shows you were right and you did everything you were supposed to do, and it's just like it's a very like proving feeling. Yeah, because even if we right. are correct. We won't know because we've never, we'll never see a dinosaur. Yeah. So I love, I really, really love that scene. And I want to go into a little behind the scenes for you because I did a little bit of research because <laughs> I, I asked Brie going into this, I was like, so you're going to lead this, this podcast for and us. And I have been. And she has been and she's been doing a great job. Um, and I like to go into the production aspect of a lot of these movies. Like, and I said, go ahead and look up some production stuff yeah. because I know a couple of things about the production. Um, of the movie, but I don't want to overwhelm you with production stuff. But he's the production oh, guy, so let's yeah, let's totally get your will. little behind the scenes. So Steven Spielberg really was pushing for we got to make these freaking dinosaurs as realistic looking as possible. So they were initially going to do just straight up animatronics for all these dinosaurs, and they hired. Um, a couple i can't remember the companies but they hired some uh companies to work on go motion which is the blurred view of special effects where if an animatronic is moving and you want to make it look like it's moving fast you give it a kind of blur motion so that if something's running it makes it look like it's running on camera like right in front of you and steven spielberg was not too happy with the blur motion on the special effects for the animatronics. So he said, okay, what else can we do? And the people that he hired to do computer-generated imagery said, we've been working on a CGI dinosaur. And they showed Steven Spielberg a skeleton of a T-Rex computer-generated as it was just walking in place. And Spielberg's like, do that. Do everything with that. And... Uh, the dude that worked on the um, 
animatronics looked at Spielberg and said, uh, or Spielberg said to him, looks like he's like, you guys might be out of a job. And the guy said, more like extinct. And that's a line that Steven Spielberg oh, yeah. puts into the script from that interaction. But he kept those people on because... There's something to say about the the actual like animatronics yeah. in this. And the, so the movie is a mixture of puppetry, animatronics, and CGI. So he kept those people on and called them the dinosaur specialists. So they were in charge of uh, basically eliciting what the dinosaurs would do, what they would look like as they were moving, um, to kind of give a little authenticity to the CGI movements. So the first, like that first time we see that CGI Brontos, uh, not Bron Brachiosaurus in that first scene of the dinosaurs, that is the first time really anybody in like modern cinema is looking at a full CGI dinosaur. So I think that scene is interesting and in that, that behind the scenes kind of plays into why that scene is what it is and why it's made. Could you imagine an anim how big an animatronic would have to be? Actually, they did make a big animatronic. The T-Rex uh, Yes, the T-Rex is animatronic and was the only animatronic to make it on site for filming. Yeah, and <laughs> I'll, I'll get, uh, there's the story of the rain and... There was a uh, hurricane. Yeah, and the, a lot of the rain and the hurricane is in the movie too because a lot of the uh, middle action set pieces in the film are in a dark and stormy night um it was a dark and stormy night so the t-rex animatronic it was frustrating for spielberg and crew to film because the top layer of the t-rex was like foam so when the rain was coming down it kept absorbing the foam which made it pop up and down a lot so between every take that they did the crew had to pat down with like rags <laughs> they had to pat down and kind of dry off the t-rex a little bit i wish i had a giant t-rex but i think they said that that t-rex was maybe the biggest animatronic that um or the biggest living sculpture that had ever been in film at that point maybe on par with uh maybe king kong but i don't know if king kong was a guy in a suit at the time godzilla was um so we get the then they're on like the they're in the the ride where they're talking about the dna and like how um they did it which they have if they found a mosquito preserved in amber they extracted the blood from the mosquito they get the dna sequence there's gaps in the dna sequence their scientists fill in the gaps with frog dna and that's how they produce these dinosaurs. Which props to Michael Crichton because that's a really thought out explanation on how you can realistically like clone a dinosaur. It's really, really well. I, I don't know if it's well but thought it's also, out, but it's thought out. It also expresses the dangers of using DNA that isn't belonging to that dinosaur, which we'll get into a lot when we get into Jurassic World. When you we, use, yeah, I was gonna I was gonna talk about Jurassic when World when you for use a DNA that has not belong. I mean, in Jurassic World, they purposely breed a dinosaur that's never existed before. But these are dinosaurs that have existed before. But you're giving them new traits because their di their DNA sequence is not complete so they're not the exact same creature these are brand new even though it looks like brand a spanking new dinos like, it looks like a t-rex it acts like a t-rex but 
it's not exactly a t-rex yeah and the the explanation that they give about the mosquito and the blood and the dna sequencing and filling in the gaps um i think that like i when i first saw this movie i remember hearing that explanation and i was just like super complex but also simple at the same time. Like we as a casual viewer, not knowing anything about DNA and gene sequencing. like Me as a little nerdy, like I forget when I first saw this movie, but me as a little nerd going, very interesting, very interesting. Very yeah. Interesting. I remember asking, <laughs> it's like, it's simple to a point where casual viewers can understand it, but it's complex to a point where like, man, that's really well thought out. Um, I remember when I was in my bio class in high school, my biology teacher, he had one day where he's like, if anybody anonymously can ask like any kind of question related to biology or science that they want. So my question was, can Jurassic Park happen? And you know what he said? He was like this. I, I think I've said this answer to you. I think we you. get closer and closer to it. Yeah, I think I've said this day. answer to you many times on different things, especially in talking about the Lamborghini debate. It's probable, or it's possible, but not probable, mm -hmm. right? Like, it's po anything's possible, but... The probability it the of it being what us finding viable dinosaur DNA, extracting viable dinosaur DNA. But I got to be honest with you. I watched this movie again, and I'm like... Why can't we do it? Because like, why can't? So, like, shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, and they get to that debate. So, um, um, this is red flag number one for me about this park. Not only is dinosaurs roaming around, that's red flag number one. Red flag number two is that the like all the scientists were able to get out of the ride really easily. Oh yeah, and then w they get into they really want to go into like the laboratory because they have questions because this ride is designed for like the casual visitor, not for actual scientists who are really right, interested right. in this. So they break out and they get to meet Doctor Wu, who is in both the book and the movie as really the brains behind this operation. He, he's the scientist behind the cloning process and the incubation process and the birthing process. And I was like, man, if these scientists can g get out of this ride easily, like that's red, that's a red flag for your park because what's stopping a 17 year old kid from trying to impress his date and getting out of the ride and messing with the lab. Yeah, and they see the birth of a velociraptor, and Grant is noticeably kind of wary about that. And throughout this entire movie, I'm wary about the velociraptor. They're in such a small enclosure because those animals jump and they're fast, like 50 to 60 miles an hour. Like Kaido. And they are, like, they eat people. Yeah. Obviously. It's like my dog. <laughs> so if that is an animal that you're keeping on your park, they have to have those tall, like, fences, and people can't really see them anyway. What, what value are they bringing to your park? They're freaking cool. Yeah, but you can't, but people cannot see them because they're they're dangerous. Yeah. Do you, remember, I, do you remember when we went to that Jurassic World exhibit at the museum? I do. I think about it all the time. <laughs> and they they had like it was a dude in a uh, Velociraptor costume, but it was like one of those costumes where the feet are attached to your feet, 
and the arms are attached to your arms, but then the top is attached to your head. So it's like you can move the arms and the legs and he's in like a black jumpsuit. And so it's dark and you kind of just see the Velociraptor. I swear, I took Brie to this for like her birthday. Was, I think it was a Christmas gift or something. It was so fun. And I took Brie to this and we, I have the pictures still, or you have the pictures, but she was so like smiling ear to ear, like, about these uh, animatronic dinos that were at the museum. And I tell her all the time, like when they did that Velociraptor exhibit and they had the Velociraptors there and everyone's watching, cause it's kind of like a show. Mm -hmm. So everyone's standing around and watching it. And we were kind of like on the side towards the front. And I just like was behind Brie and I had my hands on her shoulders and I just whispered to her, I'm like, come on, go up, go up. And I was like, I felt like a dad that oh, took his kid. Oh, he was like, so like making me take pictures with things. Well, not making me take pictures with that. He's like, oh, you want to go take a picture with that? Go, go take a picture. I was like, he was like my dad for the day, <laughs> <laughs> taking pictures of me. And honestly, like that was one of the best gifts I've ever gotten. Like that was a cool time. That was fun. It was it was a really good gift. That's where you got this, right? Yes. Yeah, you got that dino there. Um, where did you get this? That's from Build a Bear. Oh, this. Oh, this is from Build a Bear. Yeah, the T-shirt also from Build a Bear. He I don't, don't want to move. He it. has a Jurassic World T-shirt on. Oh. That's my blue. Um, cool. I I love him. Anyway, um, they go from the lab talking with Doctor Wu to, you know. Hammond is trying to fi figure well, out. Well, before that, they asked Dr. Wu about breeding. Yes. And Dr. Wu says it's impossible for them to breed because they're all, all female. female. They're all female. And that's when we he, have Mal Malcolm, Ian Malcolm, who is studies chaos theory, is talking. He's pretty much all That's about his whole thing his whole thing is about what could go wrong and what is unexpected and what's unpredictable can will happen can happen butterfly effect and, all that and that's where he gets into this conversation about playing god and he gets in this conversation about life uh finds a way and kind of foreshadowing that there is going to there's something's going to go wrong so really part. everything that goes wrong is foreshadowed in this movie in mm -hmm. some way like everything that happens is brought up like when they're talking about the velociraptors they're like the guy's like oh velociraptors they uh uh they they're really smart they're really clever because they never go to the same place twice to try and to escape. And when you see one in front of you it's not that one you have to worry about it's the two that are coming in on the sides yeah so they foreshadow a lot of that because that stuff that happens later in the movie or when they talk about the Dilophosaurus and we hear in the background Dilophosaurus can, you know, <laughs> you know, <off> the things <laughs> on the side of their neck and then they can shoot poison spit at people. That happens later in the movie, too. Mm -hmm. All this stuff is heavily foreshadowed in different parts of the movie. And I think that's pretty decent writing like you don't have to spell it out for your audience but it's nice to have those seeds planted there because it's payoff so when you mention that a dilophosaurus can spit poison We're i'm gonna, gonna want to see i'm it. gonna want to see the dilophosaurus spit poison right fun fact about dilophosaurus it cannot it did not um spit poison and it could not unf unfurl its cowl 
So both of that is... They, I'm sure Spielberg was told that did neither. Yeah, my Funko Pop over here says otherwise. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he was told that it does neither, and he decided, you know what, it'd be cooler if it did. And that's what he went with. Yeah. It gives um, us a bigger action set piece if he does. So then they're dealing with uh, the fact that like they're going to have the um, both... All three of their guests, so Malcolm, um, we have Grant, Grant and and Sattler. They're going to go on a tour of the park, and then we have Hammond's grandchildren go with, and the lawyer goes. Yeah, so they have dinner, right? So they're in the visitor center, or they're in the tech control place, and they have dinner. All parties are there, and Hammond is trying to get them to endorse the park like there he's like we got some stuff to show you still but i want to get your opinions on what's what's going down so the lawyer's like we're gonna make millions off like we're gonna make we're he's gonna make a like fortune we're gonna one. merchandise we're gonna sell tickets for ten thousand dollars and the lawyer is like the only one excited that's excited and yeah it's because you have malcolm worried about chaos theory like Something's going to go wrong. Well, I wrote and down a couple quotes. Grant that... and Sattler are like, we don't know if this is a good idea. Malcolm and Hammond have kind of an argument about whether Hammond is in the right to do this. And Malcolm says, you thought so much about can I do it and could I do it? You never thought about, should I do it? He's like, it's not normal to play God. Like, these things are, are doomed to fail. There's a lot of unpredictability that can happen when you do things like this. He says the dinos had their shot millions of years ago. It's like, why bring them back now? And then he says something that Hammond takes great offense to, which is something I want to dive deeper into. He says, you stand on the shoulders of those who did the work. And we did a comparison to... I said, this is like if today, if Elon Musk tried to create a park full of dinosaurs, like this is a guy who is the, would be, because Elon Musk is not a scientist. No. He's, he's kind of a smart guy, but mm, he's allegedly not... Allegedly smart. He's, he's not a scientist. No, he's he just didn't. He's just the figurehead for big innovation well, he's, the, yeah. he's the face because let's all. let's talk about how he became the ceo of tesla he bought the that shoulders right. of yeah. people, people who had did already the work. did the work the cars were already being designed he had no part in that yeah he just bought the right to be called ceo so this is a, a comparison like if if elon musk tried to do the same thing this would be an equal comparison this would be an equal criticism that hammond is getting from malcolm in this movie where he's like you're not listening to the scientists he's like you're not giving the scientists their due they're the ones doing the work but you're claiming like this is such a big discovery and you're so passionate about it. and it's okay to be passionate about it but you got to give acknowledgement to the people that actually did the work and stop trying to say that you are the one doing the work so i think spielberg had a lot to say about like business like ceos of business like i th and i think it has I, a lot to do with like we think a lot about like can we do it there's like this race for innovation and then we never stop to think should we be doing this was spielberg trying to say because now that we're talking about it and i'm thinking about it a little deeply is was spielberg trying to say something about 
um i don't know maybe i'm looking too far into it like exploitation of your workers where it's like obviously hammond funded the research and, and he does but, that for multiple things he funds the amber mines he funds the archaeology um the digs but he's not a scientist himself yeah he's so just I, maybe, a business maybe spielberg or Crichton. i should say Crichton. he's the one that wrote it mm -hmm. Crichton's trying to say something towards how you have heads of companies or rich people that are taking credit for a lot of what the working class does like if bezos did this uh like if you think of bezos and amazon if bezos were to stand up and say you know amazon's doing so great and like you know blah blah blah, blah. and if he were to kind of pseudo take credit for that it's like well you didn't make amazon great like all of your workers made amazon great and it's i think Crichton's saying the same thing about the research that went into the creation of these dinosaurs or the cloning of these dinosaurs that Hammond didn't do it, everybody else did. And Malcolm saying that line, I think, is a big shot to Hammond because that's where he really goes on the defensive. Mm -hmm. And Hammond argues back like, I support all of our scientists and blah, 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 blah. So um, uh, Malcolm also talks about, well, Sadler gets into it and she talks about the plants and the environment and she's like you're bringing in all of these these plants, these plants and these things she into says, this world you have several plants in this area that are poisonous she's like you pick them because they are they're beautiful but do you really even know what like they are plants that existed like billions of, of years ago and we have to we don't know what that would do for the environment having these new species in a place that they've never been to before you have to think not only the earth is vastly different in climate yeah, yeah. when when and all these dinosaurs were not from the same place on earth you have to think this is this is like pangea time so like everything was like a big landmass but the different parts of the landmass had different temperatures and some of these animals did not exist within the same like period of time the crustaceous yeah. period the jurassic period like these animals existed at different there's, there's periods a, there's in so time. many existent i love that they have this scene in here because there's a lot of existential issues with should we do it just because we can should we do it so malcolm doesn't give his endorsement as of yet ellie doesn't give her endorsement as of yet and then grant kind of says the same thing where he's like i don't know if we should be doing this and hammond says oh great the only person i get the endorsement from is the blood-sucking lawyer and i think that that scene says it says a, says a great deal about should we do this and then i i i looked we had a conversation about this during the movie where we were talking about you know if if we could do it today should we do it today no but i i, I also make the argument that if someone was going to do it it'd be a rich person who doesn't care about it anyway yeah and and this is where i said i'm like if we were going to do this today i feel like it would have to be something where you would need so we figure out how to clone dinosaurs. Okay, great, you've cloned dinosaurs. Now you need to wait and study them for like 25 years. Like you, you've got to give this a lot of time so that the scientists, so you have an abundance of scientists, see what's of like, different scientists. Like what is the effect of having dinosaurs of different 
periods of time give, all interacting the with the with each other having dinosaurs eating like vegetation that they might not have had during their like time period seeing how the the climate affects these different like species you need to have research before you can even let the public see these things it needs to be fully studied thoroughly researched and peer-reviewed do not flake on the peer review process like <laughs> this is important you need to give these researchers time to do the studies to do the research to peer review the research you need to have experts on this maybe you need to have schools of thought and disciplines created for this mm -hmm. subject you know so like there's a lot to consider with the uh the existential crises of should we do this so after dinner they're going to go on their tour of the park also i wrote why can't we eat dinosaurs Stop. okay well, they're gonna they're, they're gonna go on their tour of the park and hammond is so confident in his park he lets his two grandchildren go on this tour um of the, the tram park. Tour. so in the tram we have in one car um, we have Grant, Sattler, Malcolm. In the other car, we have Gennaro, um, Lex, and... I didn't know the kids' Tim. names. Tim. Tim was the, the other kid, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and I said, I, I don't know if I'd let my... I don't know if I'd be that confident to Mal let my... Malcolm explains a chaos theory to, to Sadler in the car. And, and she kind of like gets it i didn't get it so it's it's he does it with an example of a water droplet on your hand and when he puts the water droplet on her hand it goes this way and he's like if i put the water droplet on your hand what do you where do you think it's gonna go and she's like oh it's gonna go this the same way and it goes a different way he's like that's chaos theory it's just unpredictability it's, uh, it's the unpredictability so they get they're t they're touring the first place they go to dilophosaurus um doesn't come out we don't see them and i said it's a problem with this is not a zoo it's not a small enclosure these dinosaurs get a lot of space i don't think you're gonna see the dinosaur when you want to see the dinosaur it's just gonna it's just depends on the day after dilophosaurus which i would be pissed if i paid ten thousand dollars and i didn't see a single dinosaur like that would make me really upset. Yeah. Uh, then we go from Dilophosaurus straight to the T-Rex enclosure. They don't see a T-Rex. They even try to bait the T-Rex with a goat. We still don't see, see T-Rex. So they move on, and that's where we get to the Triceratops enclosure. And well, they get out of the car. Well, Grant sees in the distance uh, a Jeep, a Jurassic Park Jeep, and something lying on the ground. So he gets out. Um, once Grant gets out... Sattler gets out, then everyone gets Malcolm out. gets out, then everyone gets out, and they actually go over to the dinosaur. And I'm going to get into this because this is like my, one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. And Ellie goes right up to the dinosaur. She's checking out the dinosaur's tongue. She's noticing all these different things, like it's uncomfortable, like it's smelly. Cause, and then the veterinarian explains like this happens every... Um, six weeks. I think in the book we actually get her. She knows what's wrong with it, and there's like she finds out. Well, this she's digging the poop. This in this one in the movie they don't go through actually what's like she finds out what's wrong with the, in the book. In I the remember book. you telling me about this. She says that it maybe it ate something that it wasn't supposed to. Yeah, because again we have plants that did not exist. 
in the period of time that this animal and they they explain that and that's why i love that scene with hand to go back to that scene because it's really good and really well written that's why i love that scene where they're all like all hammond's trying to get the endorsement of the scientists and they're not doing it and hammond's kind of getting pissed over the fact that they're not giving them the endorsement it's just like the this is what happens when rich people want to and maybe Crichton was making a a note about this that when rich people so passionately want to move forward with something that they don't listen to the scientists and the the, how they're implored to do something differently or to wait on it and i think it has something to do with the west indian lilac that's planted over there because she goes through this the the dinosaurs poop and she doesn't find any of the pods from the west indian lilac but i think in the book it actually is the west indian lilac that it's eating every because it migrates with the because it happens every six weeks so every six weeks like the animal migrates um to different parts of the enclosure to eat the different vegetation um and i think that's what's making it sick sick um and so this then we get the the fact that oh this storm is coming we have to get everyone like back to the visitor center they have to come back it starts to like thunder and lightning and rain and the the lawyer saying let's go back into the cars and so grant malcolm gennaro the two kids they go back ellie's like i'm gonna stay if it's okay with the veterinarian the veterinarian's like that's fine with me because i have the the like the jeep the gas jeep and i'll just drive you back these are the things in my jeep these are the things in my cheap, 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 cheap. And that's where we have, uh-oh, Nedry has decided this is his chance. The storms, the storms are coming. He gets, he gets a call and set from the guy at the, the dock saying, you have to get here within this many minutes. The storm is coming. We got to get out of here. Newman. And he's like, you got to give me at least 15 minutes. I've only tried this once and it took 18. So he puts in this protocol and he shuts down the power to to every fence and gate and turns off the phones and some of the and the systems are down the only thing that he keeps on is the velociraptor enclosure because even he would not be so dumb yeah it seems like these these boys and girls are smart yeah, so he keeps, that's the only power that's on in the whole park is to keep those in line. And that's important to know that he at least did not do that. But when the fences start failing, the cars stop because the power goes out. I mean, they stop right by the T-Rex enclosure. Yikes. And the power is out. So the T-Rex obviously is out and about roaming around. And, you know, he's a, he's a hungry boy, that T-Rex. Um. Yeah, so we get... Like, we're splitting scenes. I'm not sure which scene comes first, but um, Nedry, he he goes in the his the, the Jeep. He can't find the dock. He can't find the dock because he hit the sign that gives you the direction for the dock. So he's driving off into um, Dilophosaurus land. land, and he, like, crashes, he falls down. And then he runs into a Dilophosaurus when he's trying to get the car working again, 
And, and he's rude to he's it. He's rude. He's like a dick to the philosophy, the Dilophosaurus. He's like, oh, you're a dumb guy. He's like, I'm going to come. He's like, no wonder why you got extinct, guy. You're dumb. And the Dil- I was like, this guy's going to get murked by the Dilophosaurus. So the Dilophosaurus looks at him and goes, and like cowls out, like gets its flappers out and then spits poison at him twice. Yeah, and he gets him. He gets him. He gets he, him so he, he eats him in the car. Yeah. And so it's so Ned. They needed Nedry to come back to be able to boot the system back up. Right, because they then explain Sam Jackson's character, who is also one of the security coding people. He explains we need him to come back, or like we're gonna have to go through two million lines of code to get the security system up to be able to in- decrypt what he had put in place, or. We have to reboot the whole thing. We have to shut the whole thing down and bring it back up. And we don't know if it's going to come back up if so if we do that. They don't do that yet. Yeah. Um, because they're just trying to get the power back on. Well, they're trying to get the fences back on at least. Yeah. Um, so, so the T-Rex scene happens and it's that classic scene that we get where you see the water. Doom, and then you see the water move. Doom, it's getting closer and you see the water move even further. And then the T-Rex is right outside their um, window. And yeah, very, very important. Um, we also, in the book version, we have Lex noticing two small dinosaurs boarding a supply ship. Okay, yeah, because you told me about this That's, There's a whole change. subplot in yeah. the actual book where we have that dinosaurs being found on the the in costa rica so lex notices the two small dinosaurs left on the supply ship that's what happens in the book but it doesn't happen in this because they don't have that subplot Mm -hmm. in in the movie so what do you do you think the movie needed this that subplot do you think it did just fine it did just fine without it i think it would have made the movie longer yeah, but the movie's like already, already like two long. hours and ten I was minutes. like, it's already a very long movie. But then we get the whole, the scene where we have the kids are in one car with the lawyer and the everyone, we have Grant and Malcolm are in the other car. The lawyer, as soon as the they notice that the fences aren't working, he... He dips. He dips. He goes to the bath, like into the bathroom to hide instead of being in the car. He leaves all those kids alone. And the car, the, the kids are like, he left us. Like, he left us. And that really emotionally traumatizes those kids for a while because you have to think this they're in a dangerous situation and the adult that's supposed to be in charge of you leaves. Yeah. And he ends up, he, yeah, he dies. Yeah, he get eight. And I, I would say it's Malcolm's fault. Well, so Malcolm runs out. Like, that. I don't think from the I stories think- that I heard that scene wasn't supposed to be in the original script, but Goldblum wanted to put in that scene where malcolm runs out with the flare to distract the t-rex because he wanted uh malcolm to have the a heroic scene so like ian malcolm wasn't like a total d-bag the entire movie so i think it would have worked fine with grant doing the, the using the flares because the flare like they explain which is a totally inaccurate um now proven inaccurate uh statement where the t-rex won't see you if you don't yeah, move. Yeah, Grant keeps saying the T-Rex won't see you if you don't move. It senses movement. And we now know that that was probably very wrong. The T-Rex apparently, according to scientists, probably had really, really good eyesight. How did they get that so wrong? Um, 
because they, I think when they first um, were studying T-Rex, they assumed he was the same as some types of lizards. That's fair. Um, we now, well, there's um, a really hot debate in the scientific community about whether the T-Rex was a scavenger or like an active hunter. What do you think? Um, it was probably a scavenger. Hmm. Probably stole food that was had already been killed or food. Could it that, have been both? It could have been both. Um, but there's hot debate. Just the way it's built. Um, it's it makes built different. It it makes sense for it to have been bit big and scary and not essentially too fast, so that it could intimidate. It's built different. Instead of go and like actually hunt. Kind of like a bear, right? No, because bears are fast. Uh huh. But bears are scavengers. I'm thinking Yogi. He wants yeah. picnic baskets. So there's, it's it's up for debate. It's one of those things that's still debated in um, the community. Yeah. So the T Rex scene um, finishes off where the T Rex is going after Grant and the granddaughter, whose name I can't remember, and Timmy is in the car. Right? He like he can't get out of the car. So. Uh, continue because i lost track of what happened so malcolm like is trying to get the the t he runs he gets kind of like knocked by yeah, the t-rex he, he gets hurt a little bit um and he gets knocked into like a pile of debris and the whole th building comes down and we have unfortunately the lawyer sitting on the toilet yes he gets eaten and so he, that's what the t-rex sees and he he gets eaten after he eats him he kind of plays around with the car a little bit more um the they get down the car gets pushed off to the side like the kid is still in the car when it gets down it gets like, like stuck in a tree yeah it gets right? stuck in a tree luckily and luckily uh grant is like a really just a really good guy um not, he doesn't ditch the kids like we have that scene where um well the, the whole sub there's a whole character arc of dr grant where he's kind of seeing ellie and she keeps giving him guff about not wanting kids and mm -hmm. not being good with kids so once the kids come into play she like kind of pawns them off to him and then later in the movie he's kind of tasked with protecting the kids and like being there for them so we get this character arc of of grant learning to like kids later on hammond and sadler have this weird conversation about a flea circus yeah flea circus Can i you didn't understand it's, it's talking about how he went from the flea circus to this like he's always been wanting to like entertain people sure um and then ali basically is like well you got to think more clearly about the consequences of your actions and we get really like the t-rex like hurts malcolm a lot um and that's where we get our little funko over there of ian malcolm laying sitting seductively sex, sitting sexy like um, and then we have the game warden Muldoon, um, and we have Ellie go searching for the others once the fences are back up. Yeah, because they shut down the power. 
and turn it back up but now or they shut down the security system and turn it back up and it's working but now they don't have power so they need to go to the other side of the island like three miles away i think they said and they have to put the power back on you're from... jumping ahead oh am i yes sorry because they they go to rescue everyone but oh, they yeah. only yeah. find malcolm mm -hmm. and they rescue malcolm they kind of the t-rex is coming they get chased a little bit by a T-Rex, but eventually get back to the visitor center so that Malcolm can get better. Um, and like we have again, Malcolm's like, it's, it's chaos theory. And then they explain as the kids and Grant are staying overnight in a tree, just trying to be safe, like get a good night's rest. They're trying to find their way back to the visitor center without getting hurt. But then they explain at simultaneously what's happening is they have the powers on, the fences are back back on, but they don't have phones and they don't really have power. So they need to shut everything down in three minutes, not three miles, three minutes on the other side oh, of the compound. Okay. Yeah, I misinterpreted um, that. It's on the other side of the compound. So three minutes away, they have to go in turn everything off, turn everything back on, and hopefully it turns on, and then they have to turn on every enclosure one by one. Not thinking about... Who might be trying to climb a fence. Who might be trying to climb a fence during that time. So, eventually, Grant and the kids get back to the visitor's center. Um, while simultaneously, I'm going to keep saying that, where Grant gets the kids back, puts them in the cafeteria. Ellie and Muldoon, and I believe it was the the vet. Someone went to go do it, like turn the power on. Hadn't come back back yet. Ellie's like something something happened. Something went wrong. So then the game warden and Muldoon and her decide they're gonna go together. They're gonna go find out what happened. So they gets um out into the open the the game hunter says we're being hunted we're look. being hunted he's like look in the ahead and it's kind of like when we rebooted the system remember nedry only did not turn off the raptor enclosure when they rebooted the entire system it turned off the power to the raptor enclosure so guess who got out the raptors they took the chance immediately yeah they're they're smart clever girl yeah so she makes it she takes a beeline she runs to the shed she gets everything turned on as soon as she like pulls the turns the last thing back on she has her big run in with a raptor yeah um she's running away from it limping away from it she gets someone's hand on her shoulder and she's like oh uh, Muldoon and she finds like it's just an arm it's an arm and she that terrifies her she gets out of there she locks well she just closes the door and she thinks she's safe from this raptor because she it's in the shed yes um then we we come out like the game war Muldoon he gets eat clever girl he yeah, says and then he gets eat he sees the one in front of him and like they said it's the two on the side you need to worry about he got he got eight by one on the side. 
Yeah. Because they hunt in packs. And then Ellie's running out. Grant had went, left the kids in the cafeteria, had went to go find the others. Well, first, in- first of all, when Ellie puts on the power, little Timmy's trying to climb the fence oh, yeah, to goes, get out. Ding! And he gets he gets electrocuted. And the way he falls, just is like... Eh. He's like stiffly, like a plank, like just falls off the fence and he gets so caught, he's... but he's fine. And he's fine, but he has his hair all like pushed up, like, you know, like in he's cartoons been it. when been somebody it. gets shocked and like their hair goes up. Like that's, that's little Timmy. It's, it's pretty funny. Too. Yeah. So he's like, he, he looks he rough. Blasted. He looks rough when they get to the cafeteria. Um, so he runs to find, Ellie runs to him and she, she kind of whisper yells to herself, run run and she goes up to him and she kind of explains what's going on and they get out of like they're trying to get out of there um and then it, it goes to the cafeteria the two kids are eating and he's eating he's kind of just like chilling and then um the girl's taking a bite, bite of the jello and she's like this. jello's wiggly and she's like you 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 see she's frightened and you don't know of what until the camera turn pans to behind a curtain there is the shadow of a velociraptor and so they now have to run there's one chasing them at first they run into the kitchen um they're hiding and the raptor does the sound where he's where the it's calling for the rest of the pack yeah saying here's the food here's the food i got the food um then you have this big scene where they're running from the two one gets locked in the fridge the walk-in freezer yeah and the other one is hunting is yeah it's yeah. hunting they so get they, they're hiding out in the kitchen area and the raptor it's this very tense scene where the raptor's like walking around and he's chasing them um a little behind the scenes about that scene it was very hard for spielberg and crew to film that scene in that kitchen because all the appliances in the kitchen are reflective. are reflective so they filmed the scene with uh like a black tarp or like black sheets over things to try to make sure that you weren't getting the camera's reflection in uh, um, the appliances and some i'm gonna stop us for a little fun fact like in the in the book um to get the power back on the person who goes to get the co- the power back on is grant oh interesting and ellie and woo are distracting. What happened to Wu in the movie? He gets off on the, the boat. He just leaves? Yeah, he just leaves. Yeah. He catches the boat. But Wu is in the book, and him and Ellie are distracting the raptors. It's That's who's distracting the raptor, okay. raptors. Because Arnold, the game hunter, is the one who originally goes to turn on the... And gets eight, and that's why Grant has to go turn it on. Sure. Um, and then Wu gets killed in the book. Yeah, and which that is doesn't a, it's happen different because yeah. Wu is alive and comes back in the sequels. Yeah. Spoilers. Comes back in the sequels. Spoiler. Um, another thing we forgot to mention was when a Grant and the kids are on their way back, they run into a nest. Yes. And to... Um, There's a life, bunch of eggs. Yeah, life finds a... Bunch of cracked <laughs> eggs and Grant is all surprised and he's like, well, they're breeding, but how could they be breeding and because then they're all female? We talked about... Anthony had said, how is it, how does that happen? And I was talking about, well, some species of frog will, 
because they can switch their sex. Yeah, well, and Grant mentions and he that mentions too. that later on, like in a single sex environment. Yeah, like life, they away. will they will switch. So, um, the kids they're running from this the one raptor now. Um, they get to like the big control room with the computers, and they're trying to get everything back online because even though all the the fences are up, not every system is back online. The doors don't lock. You know, things like that. And then we have... The little girl's a hacker. She's a hacker. She's getting everything back online. A to the max. So they get everything back online. The door locks, but then the raptor, like, breaks the window. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I mean, there's no stopping. They're, they're a persistent bunch, aren't they? Um, And we get this, like, big chase scene. And then we get out to the main... The main room, room of the visitor, visitor center, center. And there's a bunch of, like... Two raptors. There's two raptors, and then there's a bunch of skeletons of dinosaurs like hanging on display yeah and they're trying to hide inside of those things but the raptors are trying to get them and then the most unlikely of heroes the baby face turn from the t-rex he breaks into the building he fights off the raptors he roars and he saves the day the unexpected turn for the t-rex i don't know if i would have called that if i saw that movie for the first time that the t-rex would have a, a we face turn would call that the it just further like shows chaos theory is the t-rex a deus ex machina i i mean maybe i mean we don't really know because like the t-rex does do other things it's not like it's not have it doesn't have its own fleshed out purpose i guess but they never really allude to the fact that the t-rex would be back I, yeah i guess so maybe um but you you're right i think it is going along the lines of that that theme of chaos theory like there was no way there, to predict it's unpredictable. there was no way to predict that this would come in and then they would it would attack the i have a problem with chaos theory why do anything <laughs> <laughs> why do anything if you're just like well you don't know what's going to happen next and it's like isn't that the fun and it kind of then you know as that's going on they decide they're not going to wait to see how this plays out they're going to jump in a, a car they're going to leave and would Grand, you have waited to see how it played out with the t-rex and the raptors I guess curiosity kills the cat i feel cat. like i want i would want to know how that fight but then would end you would then become the object of what the t-rex is yeah that's to do. true so it's like do i do i see the end of this very cool fight and then lose my life or do i keep my life and not See, have this experience and they hop in the car and grant as he hops in the car he's like after much consideration dr hammond i'm to i'm choosing not to endorse your park and hammond says me too and <laughs> yeah and then they drive away and they get off the island <laughs> so here again is where we break off in the book so at the end on um, the power the, they get power just before the big attack um they immediately call that ship and say, where are you? We're about to dock. You need to turn around right now. Why? There are raptors on that ship. And you're Yikes. headed to the main, like, you're headed to Costa Rica. There are people on, in Costa Rica. And then they go to see the nests of the raptors to get a good estimate on how many raptors are there. There's a lot. There's many? a lot. There's a lot. Yeah. They, they were breeding these raptors oh man yeah so like they're bunnies, they're, like bunnies. so they're in trouble um at that point as as they're going to find this out hammond trips and falls into a river and then he's eaten oh man so what? yeah hammond dies um that's lame and it ends with they call the co the coast and national guard shows up they rescue everybody and they nuke the island but hammond could why did they have to kill hammond that way 
What was the purpose of killing him? I mean, he's kind of not unlikable in the book. Um, well, he's unlikable in the movie, yeah, too. Yeah, but... so... Yeah, he, he, he gets killed. Malcolm succumbs to his injuries in the end of this book. Um, but they're not... From what I know about the book, they're not clear They're not clear about if, he, it. if he, he dies. He I mean, kind of stays on the island, He stays right? on the island because he, like, he can't move. He can't like leave. Um, but he comes back in the, the next book, so he doesn't die we'll, yeah we'll get there the, we'll, we'll talk we'll, about i'll that. talk about it when we we come back to it but that's where it kind of like really the how the biggest differences are the beginning and the end i feel like i heard before that Crichton never wanted to make a sequel to jurassic park like he kind of said all that he needed to say with jurassic but, but park the one. lost world is so good but yeah so when he heard that they were making i think this is the story but i and i might be wrong but from what i heard when the studio said we're going to make a sequel he was like okay i'll write the book and the struggle was bringing back malcolm because he had been allegedly killed off yeah. in the book and the studio wanted to bring goldblum back to play the character in the sequel and he's like the star of the sequel yeah um so just a little bit i we went over the facts about steven spielberg it was filmed um on an island in hawaii there was a hurricane there only one um animatronic actually made it on site um a couple of things in the dinosaurs that we see are the velociraptor the brachiosaurus triceratops tyrannosaurus rex Dipli um dilophosaurus diplosaurus diplosaurus um and then we have the the gallimimuses oh yeah, yeah yeah the flock of gallimimuses so um in the book, the, there's these little um, dinosaurs that we talked about, and my immediate thought was, are those um, Comsignathus? Are we talking so about like, this, or are we talking about the Lost World? We're, no, in the book, they talk about those little lizards, unknown lizards, and my first thought was, oh, this is Comsignathus. They're tiny, like, little meat eaters. They, they're seen in a later Jurassic Park movie that they actually kill a, a child, I think. I think that's the Lost World. Yeah, that's the um, sequel. Yeah. Either they she's hurt very badly and Dad gets mauled. I forget. Um, but we find out no, it's young. It's it's the raptors. They're getting away. And at the end of the, they're like these raptors are in the deep deep jungle of Costa Rica. So they're Rica. just vibing. They're just vibing. They're yeah. They're they're hunting in a new environment so very dangerous i mean that's really cool like i will go through the dinosaurs we see in each movie um but mm. get ready for the next one because the main villain i can't remember is the spinosaurus oh okay yeah i think there's a lot to say with this movie and i think that it's super super innovative for it for its time and just the special effects alone it made me a dinosaur kid yeah like this is this is the reason i was everybody obsessed thinks, everybody thinks dinosaurs are cool like i don't think that there's a single person that sees a dinosaur and says that's not cool that's lame i've been obsessed and i'm still obsessed you can you can attest that i'm so obsessed like i love i love dinosaurs do you think do you think this movie would have been the same had Spielberg stuck to the 100% animatronic. There's no way for me to really say. I think it was innovative in its way. Like in all the new technologies, I think you needed the use of special effects. 
I thought you were going to ask me, would it be like the same if it was to be for the first time made today? I'd be like, I know it came out at the most perfect time. I think they had the perfect director for it. I think they had the perfect person to do the music for it. I think everything, it was lightning in a bottle. Lightning in a bottle. Um, I saw a tweet. I might have mentioned this on a previous podcast, but I saw a tweet that was like, Steven Spielberg, bro, I'm making this dinosaur movie and I need some music for it john williams let me write you the most beautiful score ever created and we haven't mentioned our wedding on this podcast yet so i'm going to mention our wedding oh, sure. i will be coming down the aisle to a like a quartet a, version a quartet version of who dares me to go yeah do your best velociraptor <laughs> as as you do that as you walk down the aisle yeah I, when I told my parents about that, they started laughing because they, they know I've always been a dinosaur kid. I was eating tree stars outside, pretending I was a dinosaur when I was little. <laughs> when I was a kid, I wanted nothing more than to be a dinosaur. I'd roam around and I'd scare the neighbor's cat and I thought I was a dinosaur. Uh, you can never be a dinosaur. Dad, you're human. You can never be a dinosaur. <laughs> but I wanted to be so badly. Never lose your dinosaur. I'm never, I'm never not going to be a dinosaur kid. Anytime anything new content comes out for Jurassic Park, I watch it. Anytime any new like merch comes out, I want it. Um, yeah, I have a problem. Do you think any of the sequels hold up to this movie? I love all the sequels. You love all the sequels? I, I do. Okay. I don't like... Okay, I'm going to be honest. The newer movies, Jurassic World. Jurassic World, The Lost, The Fallen Kingdom... That's that's the, an okay. No, so I liked when we'll. I we're don't. Gonna okay, both so of these movies. yeah, we're gonna get to it. There's something special about the we did it once kind of thing, and then this is the fallout and how two and three proceed. It's not they didn't go and try to do it again. It's the it's the consequences of our actions in the next two movies. Yeah. Um. There's something special about those. When you have Jurassic World and it's like, we're doing it again. And you're just like, it didn't work the first time we did it. Opening the park. Yeah, it didn't work. Yeah. And it's, it was a recipe, chaos theory. It's a recipe for disaster the minute you did it. Yeah, I've got some opinions about Jurassic World, but we'll get there. Not my, like, I still love it because it's just like dinosaurs love, I always have that special place in my heart. And obviously I loved Blue. I thought that was a great addition. Um, to the franchise, but not as good. I wouldn't the minute say, that you give a Velociraptor a name, you've now marketed. They dogicized yeah. it. Yeah, they now made it a dog. Now you've marketed this thing to where you can sell toys that aren't just dinosaurs. Like now, there's a specific dinosaur, and it's a character now. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. you can tell who do I love more than anything? Blue, blue. I love that blue. freaking dinosaur so freaking much. Yeah, right. blue. Blue, blue. I wanted to get the big blue, but Anthony had to talk me out of it. It's like thirty-five bucks. I know for the ten-inch blue, and you can't play with it because it would stay in the box. Like I wouldn't take it out of the box. Stay in the box. Like I can cuddle the build bear blue. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I think this movie has a lot to say, and I think that it's super, super, super innovative. Uh, I think I know your answer to this, but I'm going to ask you. Brie, does this movie go on your list of the top 100? It does, if not approaching top five. I want to give it that number one spot, but I'm going to leave the number one spot open for future movies. Yeah. I am also going to put this movie on 
the top 100. Listen, I don't want to make this list. I know we got two movies on the list so far. We've got Halloween. Did you put Halloween on your list? Okay. Um, I know we've got Halloween and now we have Jurassic Park. I don't want to make this list solely like the classics, right? So eventually we'll get to some movies where we're going to disagree on what goes into mm -hmm. the top 100. But when we review, like everybody has contrarian beliefs on movies where it's I don't like, think only movies made before nine, like before 2000 are the good movies. Yeah. Like just because it was, it's old doesn't mean it's good. Like there I, are, everyone... there are movies that were made post like 2000 that are like really good. Oh yeah, for sure. I think that a lot of people will just because Jurassic Park is at its core a good movie and a well-made movie and an innovative movie, I think people push back against that in a lot of ways. Just like people push back against Star Wars and people push back against, I don't know, what the, like these movies that are very classic that everyone's like, oh, this is a great movie. This is, you know, one of the best movies of all time. I'll make an argument. People, people make like stupid takes where it's solely to be contrarian to what everybody else thinks and they're real like people have takes on movies where they want to just where we go left they go right they just want to mm -hmm. be you know antagonistic and they want to be different and i don't think that this movie deserves that because at its core it is innovative and it's good i i'll i'll, I'll raise you like west side story like the classic, the first one they made. I didn't see the Spielberg one. Spielberg's one. I think I it's I think it's terrible. When you're Ev a jet, you're everyone a jet loves it, and like they remade the the movie. It just came out, um, and it didn't do well. We'll debate. Well, it's COVID season. COVID, so. and they kept a known assailant in in the cast. Sure, but I. I thought the original was so boring. I had asked for, I was a big musical theater kid in high school and I had asked my parents for it for like a gift. And I had one of my friends over, Josh, we made, I forget what my mom made for dinner, but I made him eat it and he didn't want to eat it. And I said, you can't be rude to my mom. You got to eat this food. Um, <laughs> and then we were watching it and it was such a long movie. We gave up. We stopped watching it. Um, we went downstairs and watched a VHS of Annie Get Your Gun, which was a better movie to watch because it was more fun. Both musicals. We should do, like, once we're done with Halloween and once we're done with um, Jurassic Park, our, like, our next series to go through, I've had some ideas on where to go for the future. Like, I thought we should do Disney movies, like, the Disney Renaissance. Um, we could do musicals. Like, there's a lot that we can do. Well, I'm excited. Yeah, we'll have that discussion. So um, you heard it from me. I This is definitely on the top 100, probably in my top five. Yeah, I don't know where I would rank it. Um, it has to be in your top 10 at least. Well, I got to get it more than two movies on there it before be I make that decision. But yeah, both in, both in our top 100. So we'll add it to the list. To the list. The ongoing goes. list for Anthony and Brie. We should really write these things down before yeah. it starts getting to a point where we well, can't Well, there's only remember. two, so it's like, yeah. what are we going to forget? So don't forget to follow us on Instagram at review underscore pod. You can follow um, Anthony on Twitter. At GLDTV1 on Twitter. You can um, also, if you are not watching our YouTube video Do modem, it. 
then you can Do subscribe it. to us on YouTube at Review Podcast on YouTube. And you get to see our like treats and you get to see our setup. I mean, we both finished our beverages pretty quickly. Um, and I had some of this amber treat. It's actually pretty good. I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to like go and eat it like after today. Yeah. So you can follow us at all of our socials. Remember to email us. Our email is always posted on our YouTube page and, um, through our podcast in the podcast description. Um, it is review podcast one at gmail.com. So email us if you have any recommendations, if you made Breeze treats and you want to show us, if you have any questions, if you have anything you want us to read on there, we'll read like it for dinosaur you. Dinosaur questions. I'd love, I'd love to do those. Also, if you have an idea for our next series, what should we go through next? Please let us know. Like we, we've been thinking about Disney Renaissance movies. We've been thinking about musicals like we we want some ideas because we are big horror fans so of i don't course, want it to be a solely horror yeah we don't want to just stick to horror because yeah. that's like all we we'll probably take a break from horror for a while once we're done but you have with to like Halloween. understand like we watch so much horror in this mm -hmm. house like i have shutter now and i was considering canceling shutter but i'm like you know what like maybe we would use it you know, I don't know. Maybe like we're big into this. So yeah. follow, thank you. follow us on everything. Thank you um, for listening. Thank you for following. And thank you for being you. Have a dinosaur day. Have a dinosaur day. I'm Anthony. I'm Bree. This is the Review Podcast, and we are signing off. Review Podcast. The Review Podcast.